Solve, secure, protect. Look to Patel for the independent thinking and cross-disciplinary focus it takes to advance security and safety in a changing world. They provide their clients with integrated solutions that secure our nation and help solve challenges within infrastructure, environment, emerging threats, and deployable mission-ready technology. Their teams leverage their deep expertise to develop science and technology for a healthier, safer, and more sustainable world. Visit Battelle.org to learn how Battelle makes the impossible possible. Welcome to From the Crow's Nest, a podcast on electromagnetic spectrum operations, or EMSO. I'm your host, Ken Miller, Director of Advocacy and Outreach for the Association of All Crows. Thanks for listening. All right, we are here on the third and final day of AOC 2021, brought to you by the Association of Old Crows, our 58th annual International Symposium and Convention. I'd like to thank today's sponsors for the episodes that will be coming out today, Anritsu. Anritsu offers new ideas and technologies to go beyond conventional testing and add increased value and innovation. Their complete solutions are designed to meet your ever-changing market needs. Learn more at anritsu.com. Anritsu, beyond testing, beyond limits. All right, my guest this morning on our third and final Morning Brew episode for you is none other than Glenn Carlson, call sign Powder. He is AOC president, uh, and uh, he has, and this t- actually today marks the start of your second year uh, as in term of, as AOC president. So welcome to From the Crow's Nest here. Ken, thank you. Um, hard to believe it's already now going to be the start of my second year as the president of the AOC. Unbelievable! Uh, you made it through one year, and, and uh, hopefully uh, the second one is is equally as productive. And and now, of course, we're kicking it off in person, whereas we've kicked off your first year virtually. So this is a completely uh, different experience, probably coming for, coming uh, at us here. Yeah, um, this is. It's been an interesting and challenging year uh, doing things virtually. However, we did have some in person events, chapter events. Um, Dixie Crow down at Robbins Air Force Base. We had SEMA in Aberdeen. And then even last month, I was fortunate enough and honored to be able to attend AOC Europe in Liverpool. So things have begun to open up. Uh, Getting here today or for this week has been outstanding. The the crowd has been engaged. Uh, exhibitors, sponsors, attendees—it's been wonderful. All right. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about get, get, to get your thoughts on what you've heard today. Obviously, we have one more day to go, but the two preceding days just packed full of uh, good presentations, uh, sessions. We had a number of speakers here on on the podcast. Uh, what are some of the highlights from the discussions that, this week that you had that you'd like to to kind of reiterate for the listeners here? There. <laughs> There's been there's been a bunch, um, but I think part of some of the big things is speeding up, not just acquisition and processes, but being able to speed up execution to be able to bring capabilities to bear. Um, the other thing is that we know we're a community, and within that community, we need to continue the teamwork and growing those relationships and partnerships, and industry within industry, outside of industry working with DOD, working with academia, and working to shrink down that acquisition time so that when we bring a capability, it's not 10, 15, 20 years old at that point. Uh, I, I know when we, you, 
when you look at the schedule and you see all the sessions that we're covering, you, you kind of see the depth and breadth of what MSO actually is. And then you come in person and you see all the people uh, and, and from DOD, government, civilian, industry, warfighters, the, the, the number of communities that are represented here, but we have to engage on a regular basis is just exponentially larger than even the issues that we can cover here during the week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, you, you have the standard or what I would call the standard, you know, companies that build a lot of the systems and are like our major sponsors and our host L3 Harris and BAE and then uh, with BAE Systems and others. It's just you also have the smaller companies that are actually providing an awful lot of the assets to the larger defense contractors and companies and bringing in some other players that operate in the spectrum, but not in that typical defense side that we're so used to dealing with. And, and, and the complexity of that market and the, and that mix between the, the, the component suppliers up to the system and all the way up to the system houses, how the market operates on an international scale is represented here. And, uh, you, you walk away with a bit of energy from, okay, we, we've had this opportunity to engage people, but now you realize that you have a lot more to do coming out of this than you felt like you had coming into it. And it's, 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 it's daunting, but it's, it's fun. It, oh, yes, it is daunting, but it, yes, it's also a lot of fun because being able then to mix, you know, get people to meet and begin that networking and beginning to build the community and grow the community even further is unique. Um, one of the key points I, that I was interested in yesterday with Dr. Fletcher was the shared spectrum idea. It's an interesting concept. Um, I will admit I'm probably a skeptic uh, with having been in dealing with a spectrum over the past 35 years and knowing how it's partitioned out. I like the idea. Um, be anxious to see how it's executed and so that we can get to where more commercial civilian and military work together and be able can do spectrum sharing. Well, when, when you see where we have to go as a community uh, in terms of the, the pace that technology has taken, uh, the, the importance of the EMS to everything we do from a military perspective, it hinges on superiority in the EMS. We see it, we understand it, but how we move the organizations, the leaders, the agencies, the companies on down to even just the individuals, how we move everybody into that vision is is difficult. I mean, I think there's some steps that came that were present here this week, but there's a lot more steps that need to be taken to, for us to be able to say, okay, we've arrived, but we're, we're not there yet. Yeah, with, you know, just the superiority strategy that has been discussed, as well as, um, you know, I like dollars, usage of the Legos and things like that, and trying to simplify some of the discussions about the spectrum, yet knowing how complex it is, and then dealing with the bureaucracy of a large organization that doesn't move real well. I'll equate it to maybe looking at, you know, the Titanic. I know... When I was stationed at Langley Air Force Base, we went down to the Maritime Museum in Norfolk, and you could there was a simulator for the uh, Titanic, and could you avoid the iceberg? Because the standard was you just either try to reverse or everything full forward and turn. And I was actually able to miss the iceberg by 
keeping the starboard or right engine full forward, the port or left engine full aft, left the center one alone and just threw the wheel, and actually the ship did miss. So, But it's got to take that creative thought and get out of our get out of our standard lanes that we have. And, and two, two of the things that uh, I had the pleasure of taking part in yesterday, the, the first was, you know, we had young engineers from Pax River up here, um, and I got to interview a few of them, uh, and we're going to release an episode with them here after the convention. Um, and one of the, the points that they drove home was I asked them a question, like, what do they offer our community, you know, as young engineers starting out their career? And all of them were, you know, reaffirm that they, they offer creativity. They, they can think outside the box. They, they're, 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 they have not, um, they, they understand that sometimes we have to take the blinders off and become unfamiliar with the way that we do things and, and not be afraid of that. And, and they offered that as one of their strengths. And I think that that's something that uh, we have to encourage uh, a lot more throughout uh, throughout our community. Uh, the other thing was then I you know I did the fireside chat with Michelle Flournoy mm-hmm. and, and she mentioned you know th- those three areas that we really have to focus on in obviously technology development. We heard a lot about that with Heidi Shu um, and and as well as Dr. Fletcher, um, but then also international partnerships. Um, and then STEM and, and, and bringing those young people into this community. So um, a lot of really good stuff and I think a lot of momentum and we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully be able to carry that on. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, going to unfamiliar and I would say for old heads like myself, being uncomfortable and, and us admitting, but that's okay. It's okay. It's not a bad thing. No. Um, so, okay. So two days, not today's the third day. So, uh, we have, and, and it's just as full as the other two days. Um, so we, we start off with the opening keynote, uh, uh, keynote speaker, Lieutenant General Clinton high note. Um, and then we have two final breakout sessions, one on 5g and the other on building uh, the future all domain force, uh, to kind of wrap and put a bow on the discussion. Um, and then we also close with uh, you know Terry Mitchell, who is the principal cyber advisor uh, with the Secretary of the Army. So, what do you expect to hear today that builds on what we've already heard, but but maybe provides a fresh perspective to take us out of the convention here? I think one of the things we're going to hear um, is I think, and I haven't heard a lot of it yesterday in the first two days, but I'm expecting it from either General Highnote or uh, Dr. Mitchell that we'll hear about more on maybe digital engineering, model-based engineering. Um, That's been a focus point for the Department of Defense. Um, And that's one of those tools that folks seem to think will help accelerate our acquisition and uh, being able to do digital modeling. And I know personally that there are companies are doing their best to embrace it, uh, but it's being focused more on new programs the existing legacy f- programs are still in where they are, and but I think we've got to demonstrate how that can work in the new ones before we can push in others. But I think you're going to he- continue to also hear that international theme, the teamwork, the community piece. Um, how are we going to work together across, vi- not across all those domains and within the military commercial civilian outside with 5G. Um, those are still learning areas that we've still got to figure out today. And, you know, 5G's here, 6G's 
coming around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we started off the, the you know, our conversation here mentioning is your second year coming yep. up here. Um, so as president of AOC, you have you have the microphone. Um, you know, what wh- what message do you have to our global community? Because obviously, you know, we have a actually a good fair share of international presence here, yes. given given the the circumstances. But there's a lot of people that still couldn't make it. Um, so this is you know, what is your message for the community here? Kind of the state of the union moving forward of MSO for AOC. Engage, outreach. We've got we've. We've been engaged. Now we need to even further that engagement, get more involvement, especially from the young crows. Um, We've got outreach programs that are there. I'll mention our mentorship that we've kicked off, uh, that the future crow career builder. Um, Those things, those pieces of outreach and engagement with the future um, are key to the AOC's success and they're key message that I keep trying to put forward, or I do put forward, um, and that is, I think, key to us. And one of the other big programs that we've rolled out even here at the symposium is rolling out the certification program. Um, That's in its infancy, but it's based on engineering processes and um, groupings of folks. So uh, Chuck based it on NCOSI. We've looked at some of the things IEEE does. We know that there's um, PMP certifications, but the certification of having that certification of an EW level one, two, or three. And, and, and that's going to be important because, you know, when in, in, to, to engage an association like the AOC, people want to uh, advance their profession and, and, and build that professional development. So that, that certification is going to be an important piece that, uh, you know, we've been looking to, to really get off the ground for a little bit um, because, again, we go through this, uh, this com- the depth and breadth of our uh, area, a community, is, it's hard to really kind of put into a certification program. We finally have that coming out. And I think that that'll be a, a inter- interesting to see that grow over the next couple of few yeah, years. I'm excited about it because I think, you know, with our young crows, future crows, I see it with young engineers. They want to be involved, included. Um, they want a sense of ownership and a sense of belonging. And I think this can help give them that and give them a sense that this is a good, this defense electronic industry or electronic industry as a whole is a good place to be. Well, well, thank you, Powder, for, for wrapping up uh, our, our uh, convention with me this morning. Um, I, I appreciate it. It's the third day and we both have large cups of coffee here. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, but I uh, really appreciate you taking time and I'll let you, uh, you know, go to the, the main stage here and kick off the third day. So, uh, but thank you for, for coming on the, from the Crow's Nest this morning. My pleasure. It's been an honor to be here. Thanks, Ken. All right, my next guest here on Morning Brew on From the Crow's Nest is Mr. Sadashi Fadness. He is the product marketing manager from Enritsu, the sponsor for all of today's episodes. Mr. S- Mr. Fadness, uh, thank you for joining me on From the Crow's Nest. Uh, thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to talk about Enritsu on this podcast. Great. Well, well, thanks for, for, for coming on here. And, and uh, we were just talking a little bit before uh, we started out here and, uh, you know, first time here at the AOC symposium and welcome. It's, it's great to have you. And I think that's one of the, the fun things about the, the podcast as well as just the show is getting to see, 
uh, everybody here all in one place, but getting to see we have a lot of new 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 companies here on the show floor. You're one of them, and I really do appreciate uh, you you coming on with me this morning. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about Enritsu? Um, and you're you're located out in Morgan Hills, California. Um, tell us a little bit about your company out there, and a little bit about what what uh, products you have here and you're showcasing here on, on the floor here at AOC 2021. Yeah, sure, sure. So, Anritsu um, is actually a well-known brand in test and measurement instruments. You know, it has been, uh, it was founded in 1931. So, we have been in the market for almost 90 years now. Um, and we have been making very reliable instruments uh, that our, our, our major customers are distributed across uh, most of the segments, you know, defense, telecom. But we are well known in telecom, particularly uh, instrumentation for telecom. Our handheld products are very well known in the market, in that particular market segment. But we also make general purpose, in, a lot of general purpose instruments like uh, spectrum analyzers, network analyzers, and power sensors, and of course, signal generators, right? Very, very high-end, high-performance uh, equipment. And, and one, one of the themes that we're hearing a lot about, obviously, with the convention is the complexity of the spectrum, the operating environment. And we've heard from numerous speakers how we need to make sure that we do test uh, our, our equipment and, and have that, that infrastructure in place where we can make sure that what we, the, 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 the capabilities that we have, the systems that we have can operate the way that we think they operate. And so your market sector, the test and measurement is critical for electromagnetic spectrum operations and, and your product specifically. Yes, correct, correct. I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, testing uh, the electronic warfare equipment and so on, uh, the, the, the general purpose instruments are key to... Uh, testing the subsystems of those of those equipment, right? And and in terms of that, we recently introduced uh, a new signal generator into the market. You know, which has a great performance in uh, phase noise, output power, all those critical things that are needed to test the subsystems of, for example, uh, radar or a uh, frequency agile, you know, transceiver, transmitter receiver, which are really the key hardware components. Uh, in the spectrum control uh, and command. Can, can, can you build on that for, for the listeners? Like, why, so how is, how is signal generation and, and spectrum, how, how does that help ensure that the system operates effectively when we need it? Could, 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 you, could yeah. you build on that a little bit? Yes, yes, I can, I can take a couple of examples of that, right? Um, so, for example, radar is one of the critical, you know, most ubiquitous hardware in terms of, uh, uh, you know, spectrum control and command, right? Um, and, and for radar, testing some of the radar subsystems, you need a signal generator with very pure... Um, uh, signal output, you know, very low phase noise, very low spurious and harmonics and so on, right? So this rubidium signal generator that we have introduced recently is really establishes a new milestone in all those performance areas, you know. And, and for example, and I can, I can give you a, 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 a good instance of that. Um, for example, in radar systems, when you you're looking for a reflected signal, which is pretty low, goes through attenuation, and it's pretty low in uh, in amplitude. You don't want that to be drowned inside, within the phase noise of the signal generator that you're using to test it, 
right? So from that point of view, the lower the phase noise, the lower is the is that return signal that you can detect. That's how it's. I mean, basically, that's how critical that is, right? Now, yeah. now I, I hear a lot of new terms throughout the week and 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 products that I haven't heard before. And rubidium, uh, the the rubidium. Uh, component of this product. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about why that is so important? It is a, it's a key piece of your product line, and I, but I've never heard of, the, I've never heard of that uh, as, as an uh, as, as uh, element. Yes. So, so, so what rubidium is actually an atomic standard. It's a frequency reference. Now, usually the, the signal generators out, out in the market, if you want better stability and better uh, you know, frequency accuracy. They usually use an OC, what is called an OCXO. Uh, it's a crystal oscillator, and the stability of that depends on the mechanical properties of the you know crystal oscillator. Whereas uh, rubidium is an atomic oscillator, right? And its stability depends depends on atomic properties of rubidium uh, element that's used within that uh, oscillator, right? So it's a lot more stabler, and it has and it drifts very very less with time. Right, which is called the aging rate, typically, and so so um, a rubidium uh, reference is uh, like an order of magnitude better stability than an OCXO. So that's the other other critical uh, piece that uh, you know our signal generator provides. If you want a highly stable frequency reference in the field, right, uh, then then that's the way to go. And, and, and certainly, when when we're looking at threats and 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 the pace of of radar technology and uh, low observable um, technology and so forth, getting that stability in 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 the signal is probably is critical to un, to really making sure that the system is is uh, absolutely absolutely. So 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 the thing is that this particular reference, rubidium reference is independent, meaning if you are out in the field, you don't have to connect to a satellite because GPS is another way to get a better frequency stability. Um, but but rubidium, with rubidium, you don't have to connect to a satellite, which is not always available in the field, right? Especially if, uh, during the operations, right? And, and then that might be taken away. And yes. so you need exactly. to have, you yes. need to be agile enough to adapt, and this is this is uh, an opportunity to do that. Yes, correct, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So th that's the feature. That's the great feature in this instrument. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, so so uh, wanted to ask you a little bit about you know we have a, a range of companies out here on the show floor. We have the large system houses. We have the small businesses. We have component manufacturers, microelectronics. Could you talk a little bit about just your and Ritsu's place in the market and what trends you're seeing in this kind of these kind of uncertain times as the market's kind of recovering from COVID, we're getting back into normal business, but what are some of the trends you're seeing and what is Enritsu uh, doing to really position yourselves to to lead and you know moving forward? Yes. So uh, I think we see two or three very strong trends. One is there is a general movement uh, towards uh, using higher and higher frequencies, you know, millimeter wave bands. And what that, uh, that is basically driven from the requirement that you need higher and higher bandwidth, data rates, and, and so on. Uh, so, so in general, we have been supporting uh, frequencies in excess of 71, 70 gigahertz 
110 gigahertz, even up to 220 gigahertz. So that 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 is one of the trends that we are closely following and supporting in our instruments, right? And and the second, so so, so one of the best kept industry secrets, I would say, is we would we we also manufacture our own connectors and components. Right, and those are critical elements, uh, especially when you go to higher frequencies. You need to keep your frequency response the same, output power. You need to keep all those signal integrity measures, you know, intact when that signal comes out of the instrument. And and recently we have introduced um, a, a coaxial W1 connector component line, which goes all the way up to 110 gigahertz. You don't have to. Uh, use a waveguide, which tend to be bandwidth limited, whereas a coaxial is a broadband from DC to 110 gigahertz. So, so we are uh, uh, positioning ourselves as millimeter wave leaders because of these technology trend. And, and, and that is where things are going because it, it's yeah. what's interesting is we I had a discussion here with another uh, community group and they were talking about millimeter wave and one of the things that and this is you see this generally is as we're learning more about millimeter wave and the technical specifications that are required to operate in that, we're learning a lot that the way that we do things now is that we're not quite equipped to actually perform the way we want to in millimeter wave. So it's interesting that that's, this is where you're positioning yourself to to be ready for us to, 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 to really invest in that area. Yes, yes, correct, correct. And, and, the, second, and the second trend we see is uh, that uh, in terms of, let's say, transmitters and receivers, um, the signals are get, getting digitized closer and closer to the antenna, right? So we you receive the signal or signal from the antenna and then you digitize. Then all the intelligence is sitting behind that, right? Once you have captured that spectrum, once you have digitized, then you can do all kinds of DSP techniques and, and behind that you can, the, the artificial intelligence piece of it. Right. So for all these things, the critical piece is really the digital conversion portion, right? which is the ADCs and the DACs. And they are moving uh, uh, towards higher and higher sampling rates because of this millimeter wave trend and you have to support higher bandwidths. Right, and and again, in order to and, th and those are the building blocks really of AD, uh, of the of uh, of let's say agile transmitters and receivers, um, and you know having a very pure signal source to test them is absolutely critical, right, for those ADCs and DACs, right. Unless you have that building block, you know, performing as you want it to be, then all the intelligence that's sitting behind you is not that useful, right? It's the basic stuff, right? Mm -hmm. right. And Anritsu makes these instruments to test this kind of basic stuff, yeah. And, and, and so you're in a position where you're constantly uh, trying to keep pace and, and you have to kind of look five, 10 years in it, where, where technology is going and you're, in, and, and you're basically already there, which is right. very right. interesting. So that's, yeah. that's excellent. So, yeah. um, so well, well, thank you for that's all the time that we have uh, for the, for this episode. I, I do want to thank you for coming on from the Christmas. I want to thank Enritsu for sponsoring all of today's episodes. We have some great episodes coming up. Uh, yet this morning, uh, I'm sitting down with uh, Lieutenant General Clinton Highnote uh, in, in a little bit. I'm talking to uh, Brian Clark from the Hudson Institute on 5G, 6G, which is getting right into where you were talking about with as we start to look into millimeter wave. A lot of that. Uh, as we move higher into the spectrum is going to uh, 
be a factor in how we approach 5G and 6G uh, moving forward. So we have some great episodes coming forward, and I want to thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for this third and final episode of Morning Brew here at AOC 2021, the the AOC International Symposium and Convention. Again, I want to thank Enritsu for sponsoring all of today's episodes. Enritsu, beyond testing, beyond limits for sustainable future together. You can learn more about Enritsu at enritsu.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Battelle, the world's largest independent, not-for-profit, applied science and technology organization. Since 1929, their mission has been to translate scientific discovery and technology advances to benefit society. Through markets such as health, environment, infrastructure, industry, and national security, Battelle has been delivering cutting-edge solutions that impact the well-being of the world and help keep us safe at home. To learn more, go to battelle.org connect. That's B-A-T-T-E-L-L-E dot org slash connect.